Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roll with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? Um, they look great in person, and I uh, just can't wait to next year where we, we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guys Day. It was me and Rank. I mean, how do you lose? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. Good morning, Twitter and YouTube. We are live to this morning with a little coffee with clay, as we like to call it here. As today we have joining us from ESPN, Mike Clay. How are you doing, Mike? No, I'm doing good, guys. Uh, you know, it's uh, finally getting warm up here in the Northeast. I live in Connecticut, but uh, allergies kind of attacking. So I might sound a little funky during the show, but, uh, you know, otherwise pretty good. I spent the whole weekend outside in the sun so really can't complain i love that because we just got some more snow here i'm north i'm even more north of uh connecticut here i'm in western canada so we just got some uh. more snow here not that long ago and uh yeah it's been a little bit interesting here so uh pollen season's kicking in so that's gonna make uh, things a little more interesting for uh everyone that's involved with that whole thing that's basically what you're used to over there in la right major yep uh allergies are going crazy right now I can barely open my eyes. <laughs> you know how I, I feel that, right? And yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. I'll, I'll back up. I'll back Mike up on that because I'm in I'm in Boston, and I literally it looked like it was snowing when the wind blew. Yeah, and it was just pollen blowing yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I was outside all weekend, just sitting out there watching. Every time a burst of wind came through, you just see all the the pollen coming off the trees and landing all over yep. us and all over the table and phone and everything. So it's been crazy. <laughs> It is. So the typical of the show, we start off with a little bit of football and kind of the conversation on Twitter right now is the greatest deep threat of all. We know this is subjective. We know this can go either way. We know there's many different ways to look at it. You can look at the deep ball threat abilities. You can look at guys who are catching pass over 50, over 60, over 70, over 80 yards, however you want to look at it. You can look at burners versus the guys who get that separation that you're looking for in the end zone. So Mike, let's kind of go around the room here real quick and kind of go, who is your guy? What do the numbers say is maybe the one of the best uh, deep ball threats of all time? Yeah, well, as numbers go, this is not something I've dove into, right? I know there's been a lot of content out there. People have studied this and broke it down. My ex-colleagues uh, over at Pro Football Focus and uh, some nice work on it as well. So um, I do a lot with numbers each and every day, as you guys know, but it's a lot of projection work and, <laughs> and looking forward. Yeah. I haven't really dove into this kind of thing, but Look, I think the, the short list is kind of obvious, right? I mean, everybody's going to put Randy Moss near the top. And, I mean, if you were, you know, if you're in your mid-30s like I am, obviously you saw him during his prime years, and, and he was fantastic in that department. So, um, you know, obviously he's an, uh, an obvious one. The modern era is Tyreek Hill. No surprise there. Obviously the guy has been unbelievable. The only knock on him is, you know, he, he, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, he hasn't been around that long, right? So we just need a longer resume on him. But the one that's closest, I guess, to my heart growing up, you know, uh, in, and I guess it's more recent than that, but um, as someone who grew up about an hour west of Philadelphia and was a big Eagles fan and attended tons of games and went to Veteran Stadium uh, pretty much for every home game growing up and uh, watched the vet implode and went through that whole process, just, you know, always a, a hardcore Eagles fan, obviously Deshaun Jackson, you know, I mean, talk about uh, just a guy that really dominated in that era or in that department, even in recent years, like he's barely played because he's been injured, but he would be healthy for one game and catch an 82 yard touchdown and then go down for the season, right? Like that's been his resume the past couple of years. So uh, he's always been crazy fast, crazy quick, and, and always can make uh, big plays downfield. So uh, I'll, uh, I'll throw Deshaun Jackson into the hat here. Well, I think he only trails Jerry Rice on touchdown passes of 50 yards or more. And I don't think he's getting talked about enough when we mention these names. I can't remember what the number is. I want to say it's like something Jerry Rice is 36. I think Deshaun Jackson has like 30 touchdowns of 50 yards or more, which is absolutely incredible, especially considering how often he may have been out of the lineup. If he would have been healthy, 
this entire stretch, we may be talking about this conversation a little bit differently. Calvin, do you have anyone specific for your big play threat? Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about this uh, last week, but you know, I know we mentioned Deshaun Jackson there, who is one of my favorite. Like, like when he came out of college as a punt returner and kick returner, he was so exciting. And to watch him suit up for Philadelphia and to see him catching passes from Donovan McNabb the way he did, that was he was just a it was just lightning in a bottle every time you would see him streaking down the sidelines and and you know the quarterback just rearing back to throwing the ball. So that's to me, he's my favorite because I loved watching him. So I'm right there with Mike. Major, what do you got? Yeah, I, I posed this question on Clubhouse a couple of days ago. It was a really heated debate. Um, I my number one guy is is Deshaun as well. Um, just purely based off of that one pass from uh, Vic when he threw it like ninety yards down the field and he just ran under it and caught it and you know went into the end zone. But um, also throwing Art Monk in there uh, and Lynn Swan, but yeah, those are some good ones. Go ahead, Bob. All right, so I'm gonna I'll throw in uh, an older guy because I am an older guy. Uh, I'm gonna throw in James Lofton uh, from the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I mean, the amount of times that Jim Kelly just th- basically when I was a kid, uh, we called it lofted up to Lofton. And he, I mean, he just, he would get open deep. He did not catch a pass that was close to the line of scrimmage ever. Um, So that's who I'm going to go with. I think Terry would kind of consider James Lofton more of a Packer than a Bill. (laughs) I know he was there at the Bills, but come on, Terry. You got to defend. You got to claim James Lofton as one of your own. He he played for the Packers? I, I, I think Cornelius would actually debate that. Well, the first thing I throw got. out, uh, for me, I, I know he's, uh, I think it, his size kind of obscures memory, but for me, it's Calvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, I'm going to flip this back. I'm going to go with ball. I'm going to go a little bit old school. I'm here going with old school 70s Chargers here. And Lance Allworth has been my guy. I think he, when we have this conversation, I think he's one of those guys that gets absolutely forgotten about. I think he gets forgotten about, about how good he actually was in the NFL. He was a, a premier thousand-yard receiver back in the day when DBs could have their way with you whenever they wanted. He has don't 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 fact check me. We don't fact check numbers on here, Mike. Just so you know, mm-hmm. but I think Mike. I think he's got something like six touchdowns of over eighty yards. I think he's got thirty-five over fifty. Uh, another crazy number um, over sixty. He's right up there. He's in the top five with all the deep ball threats. Well, we've mentioned Sean Jackson, Jerry Rice. Um, Randy Moss, Tyreek Hill, he's right up there with all those guys, but we don't mention his name. So I want to give you a little shout-out to Lance Allworth just because I think he is one of those receivers that we don't talk about nearly enough in today's game if we want to look back in the past here. And I think the past is always good to look back. We talk about James Lofton here. I think it's good to make sure we mention some of these old-school guys here and what they were able to do in different eras. And, again, this conversation is so subjective because you are dealing with – players of different eras it's like saying who's the goat who's the greatest of all time who's this who's that well the different eras produce different results and we were not even talking about how these deep ball threats would do with other quarterbacks could you imagine randy moss with the patrick mahomes give him that arm maybe we're having a completely different Uh, conversation maybe this is open and shut so i mean randy um, moss made dante Culpepper look good so Randy, uh, I got some trivia for you guys. Who was Randy Moss's quarterback in college? Pennington? Yeah, Chad Pennington. Yeah. Right, up, yeah. right over my yeah. shoulder. He's right Pennington. Over. This guy right here, Chad Pennington. You got it. Yeah. He, uh, nice. Moss was pretty pretty darn good at Marshall with, with Chad throwing him the ball. And uh, as many of us know, Chad was known for accuracy and conservative throws, you know, short-range throws. So uh, Moss – he could do it with anybody. That guy was that guy was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he got Dante that second contract uh, in Miami uh, just because of how good he made him look. So with that, we are now done with our quota for the football talk of the day. You've heard from <laughs> uh, our panel here, but 
Matt, Tara, Bob, Major, we've all got some questions for you, Mike. So we're going to go into the Viper Pit. We're going to start some questions uh, that have a lot more to do with you and a lot less to do with football itself. So we like to start off with something really easy. It just kind of lets us get to know you a little bit, a little bit about your personality. Um, so music, obviously really important. We think about sports, we think about music. There's you know, a lot of correlation there. Closer in baseball, like let's say you had that role and you were going to be introduced to a crowd. What would your intro music be that's going to best get the uh, audience ready for what you're going to deliver? Man, that's a good question. Um, I'd have to think through that. What I usually listen to is like indie rock. Uh, you know, I'll put on like when I'm working out, I'll, I'll go to um, like Amazon Music. I could put on, on my TV and I'll just do like indie electronic or something like that you know something along those lines and then listen to a playlist there so uh that's kind of my wheelhouse um so naturally uh I, my favorite band by far is the killers i just you know they, they kind of broke out when i was in college and i just get by album after album i just love what they do almost every song so it would probably have to be something uh along those lines i would say i'd, I'd have to pick out i think a killer song but i don't know if that I'd have to find one that you could really kind of jack up the crowd though. A little. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's one that jumps out, jumps into my head, but um, in that department, but I, you know, I'll come up, I'll come up with something. Nice. So let's, let's dive into you and sports and growing up. So what, what sports did you play growing up? Your favorite teams, your favorite players? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'll just roll right through my favorites because I, as someone who grew up on sports and loved sports and was a huge sports nerd, still I'm a sports nerd, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I had notebooks of every sport. I simulated season uh, seasons. I would pause Sports Center and write down projected batting orders. You know, they used to put them on Sports Center. We didn't have the internet at that point. It, it wasn't easily accessible. So, um, you know, I, I used to love to track my favorite players and, and teams. So I grew up liking the Eagles. Uh, I like the Braves in baseball, which I don't. I've kind of cut back on, on the sports I follow anymore. Um, Colorado Avalanche, I like growing up. I, I think I had something for like red, white, and blue growing up, um, for as I'll, you'll get to in a second. Um, I, I kind of leaned toward the Flyers as I as I got a little bit older. Um, 76ers basketball, again, another another team that was, that's uh, red, white, and blue. Uh, big NASCAR fan. I still am a big NASCAR fan. Um, I think or one, of you, or one of you are in Texas, right? Yeah, that's me. Houston. That's you. Okay. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I saw, I saw the list of all the people on the show. Um, and yesterday was Coda, right? We had the big race in Austin yesterday for NASCAR, which was awesome. The first ever race there. Um, but big NASCAR fan like Mark Martin growing up, got to know him a little bit uh, since he retired, which has been awesome. So um, big, big racing fan. Uh, Miami Hurricanes in, in, co in college was my team. I like Marshall a little bit with following Chad Pennington. Uh, he was always my my favorite football player for whatever reason. Always enjoyed watching him. Oh, uh, he's uh, an odd one. I saw I saw some of the reactions to that when I just said, "What?" You know, much, look much like Drew Brees. I mean, he he was very unique, right? He he was an underdog. He picked teams apart. He I remember that game where he beat the he beat uh, Peyton uh, Peyton Manning like was it thirty eight nothing something like that. They just completely crushed him in the playoffs he was just picking them apart with his ability to be crazy accurate, make good decisions. It was, it was an awesome underdog story. I just love following his, uh, his career from Marshall to, uh, to the Jets, Dolphins and, and the rest of the league. So um, yeah, I mean, that, that was it. I mean, that was, uh, those are the teams I followed growing up, but it was really just passion for all sports. I, I kept track of everything, loved everything. And uh, that kind of built, you know, built my uh, run toward a career in sports. So speaking of that, we're going to try and transition a little bit here on Twitter. There's a good question. It wasn't ours, so I can't even take credit for it, but it kind of asked, what was that? What was that decision that kind of changed your trajectory in your, in your life here? Uh, not saying like a marriage or the birth of a child, but was it one of those decisions that kind of changed where Mike Clay was kind of going and adjusted to that? Hmm. That's a good question because uh, most people that knew me as a kid are not surprised that I cover sports for a living, right? So it's just something that I've done since I was a kid. I, you know, growing up, I used to go with my dad on uh, bus trips to sporting events almost every weekend. If it wasn't an Eagles game, it was to the Inner Harbor in Baltimore for an Orioles game for a weekend, or it was to Pittsburgh. I sent, spent so many weekends in Pittsburgh. Go to like a during the fall, I'd go to a Penguins game if they were in town on a Friday. 
or Saturday and then go to the Steelers game on Sunday. We, you know, take the four hour bus home, which is a lot of reasons why I had notebooks and kept track of stats and just constantly was reading and writing about sports. That was something to kill time while we were traveling. So races, you name it. If, if there was a sporting event going on in the Northeast, you know, we were going to one of them in the weekend. My dad still to this day do, does a lot of those trips. So, um, so it's hard to know when uh, I turn the corner toward, uh, you know, toward kind of a, a future in sports, I guess. I guess uh, what I could point to is maybe, you know, right out right out of college. I mean, I actually got a degree in, in business and accounting. You know, I, I bounced around like so many people. I changed degrees multiple times from math teacher to journalism. Journalism lasted, you know, within a month. I was like, I don't want to write about anything except sports. Like, that's all I care about. Like, this is, what am I doing? Like, I, I'm doing these like essays and stuff on nonsense I didn't, I didn't care about. There was no passion. It just wasn't my future. So, I ditched that and I became the sports editor of the newspaper. I like numbers, so I got into accounting, whatever. I was still always focused on sports, was a sports editor and a, a broadcaster for years um, there. And then I got out of college. I did a, a blog to cover, to continue covering what the university I went to while I had an accounting job for a little while. But then at some point I made a decision, I'm going to, I'm going to try and, and cover professional sports, right? There's a much bigger audience. You know, I'll, I'll see if I could do something different. I did baseball for about three months. I was like, you know, there's every, everything's covered, right? The, the analytics movement movement had already started there. All the stats were covered. I didn't have enough passion for it, but I love football. Football was always my main sport. So um, about that time, I decided to make my own blog. It was called fantasydc.com or fantasy depth chart. Um, and that's where I decided that, you know, I was, I was unhappy with the projections in the fantasy football industry. I'd made my own, started just banging out content like every day, constantly, constantly writing articles. Um, and, and that was it. That was probably the decision, you know, to, to say, I'm going to make my own, buy my own domain and start my own fantasy football website where my path to a career in the industry started. So I, I would say either that or not long after that, a few years later, when I approached Neil Hornsby at Pro Football Focus and said, you're, you guys are doing awesome stuff, but you're, you know, you're still kind of small and there's no fantasy product here. Let me, let me take over. Let me do it. Let me start it up. I'll run the fantasy show. You don't have to, he, cause Neil, he'll admit this. He hates fantasy. He hates it. He, he hates it. He hated it until we started making money. Then he didn't mind it. Um, but uh, you know, he, so he just, it was, he was hands off. He let me run the show there. We built a huge staff that, that they're obviously a powerhouse now. So um that was a big move too, going to PFF and, and uh, finding them and creating that partnership was, was obviously huge. Yeah. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the biggest difference um, in TV and radio um, pre and post uh, post COVID? Um, yeah. I mean, for me, it wasn't, my, you know, things didn't change massively for me. I'd still do a lot at home. It's a lot easier to sit down and grind out projections and write con write articles at home and stuff. So, um, you know, the, I, and I still went in once a week to do, uh, to do the, our podcast fantasy focus podcast during the season. Um, I guess the biggest difference was I got the, you know, the home TVU. So I did fantasy focus Sunday mornings and other and daily wager from my house right here. It's actually right behind the jerseys. Um, it's a little different. I mean, I don't have to wear pants, I guess is the big difference. You know, I, you know, I, what are those? What right? are those? I mean, yeah, exactly. I always wearing a pair of, pair of shorts. And then I would put the, you know, the dress shirt and the, if I need a tie dress coat and that's it, you know, if I stood up, you would see it. There was, you know, shorts on no, no dress pants. So, um, that was really the only big difference, you know, otherwise it's just sitting there like we are right now talking to a microphone and, and, you know, looking at, at all our friends and colleagues and, and talking sports. So, um, you know, I know for some people, their lives were uprooted and things were changed in a big way. Uh, fortunately in our, in our industry, we were able to just keep writing and, and nerding out and, and playing fantasy football and talking about it. So, uh, I think we, we are all very fortunate. Nice. So before could you add Tara? Yeah, sorry, I was having trouble unmuting myself there. <laughs> um, so um, diving back to fantasy, um, can you tell us about maybe tell us about that first league that you were in? Okay, yeah, I actually remember that. I actually I remember I had uh, um, now a Cal, uh, uh, Carl Pickens and Herman Moore 
were on my team. That's what I remember about, about that team. I don't remember any other players in the entire league. I remember I had those two guys, uh, the Bengals and the Lions wide receiver on my team. Um, it was when I was a kid, my dad uh, was the first person to introduce me to fantasy football. Um, we our, The way we picked teams was we went around the room, everybody picked a quarterback. Then everybody picked a running back. Then everybody picked a receiver. It was nothing like nothing like we do it now. I had no idea what you know what I was doing at that point. Um, but I did, you know, again back then we didn't have ESPN, you know, stat tracker where you plug the lineups in and it did all the work for you. So I would get the newspaper the next day and you hear them stories from from old people like us where we would go in and, and look through the little box scores and and plug the stats in and count up the numbers. Um, in fact, you had to wait till Wednesday to be done because you wouldn't get the Monday night box score until, you know, it was so late Monday night. It wasn't in the Tuesday paper. It wasn't there till Wednesday. So um, I, that's that's about my mem- that's about the extent of my memory of uh, my first fantasy league was sitting down and, and uh, plugging in the, you know, copying the numbers over from uh, from the newspaper. Now that's still like my favorite thing. There's those numbers on the, the newspaper there. We used to do that with hockey all the time. Once a week, mm-hmm. those numbers up. We talked to Bob, we talked to Paul, we talked to some of the guys who were really starting off in the fantasy industry on what they used to do, go up and like pre-record the Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning uh, radio show where they're pulling all these stats off and then they'd read, put them into their system, however that worked. So it's kind of fun to see where it's been and where it's going as far as fantasy football. I still have no clue what I'm doing. It, maybe, maybe going back to everyone draft a quarterback and then everyone draft a running back might suit my game a little bit better. <laughs> so, Mike, you are basically the example people use for what a stats analytic guy is in the fantasy industry. Like when people say like they're not good at numbers, or they're not good at analytics, they're like, well, I'm no Mike Clay. And so, like, I guess – at what point, you know, I think you revolutionized, revolutionized a little bit of the bringing those kind of stats analytics to the game of fantasy football. And at some point, there had to be something in your head saying like, okay, I think this is going to be really useful in fantasy leagues, and I want to bring this out. Like, was there a moment where you were like, okay, I'm really onto something here? Like, I've got something that I'm going to offer that's going to be really good for the community? Like, what, when did that light bulb go off for you in that way? Yeah. And, you know, before I talked about how, you know, I went to pro football focus and that, how that was a big turning point. And that, that relates right to what you're talking about, because when I got there and I saw the wealth of information they were tracking, I was like, this is unbelievable. Like I, I, I was like, one of my first thoughts was I can't wait till someone smarter than me gets their hands on this stuff, you know, cause I was, I was creating stats and manipulating that data into stuff that's relevant for predicting fantasy football and predicting the NFL. And I'm like, man, I'm, you know, wait till a data scientist uses this stuff. Like they're actually going to be able to do things that, that I I'm limited in. Right. So I'm creating stuff that, you know, I, that has stood up, you know, and, and it's funny now to go back and read some of that, that content and then realize that people smarter than me, because now all those people are involved right now, there's actual geniuses like in, in fantasy football and in NFL content studying this stuff and being like, I was onto something, right? Like that wasn't as dumb as I thought it might've been back then. It's actually has stood up a little bit. So um, that's kind of when I, I was just trying to constantly take that content and, and, and it was tedious, don't get me wrong, but just put it on social media, right? I used to, what I used to do on Monday mornings was um, I would get the snap counts off of our site because they, again, PFF back then was just collection. It was just watch the games and collect data. They didn't have a huge staff like they do now or, or a lot of money. And I was on the opposite end. I was the only one that was basically processing the information. So I would go on Twitter and just start typing out, <clears throat> excuse me, typing out snap counts for players because that mm-hmm. wasn't a thing a decade ago. Think about that. A decade ago, this person played X snaps and ran X routes was not even anything anyone talked about in fantasy football or in the NFL content. There was mm-hmm. nothing with snap counts. They were the first people to really give that sort of exposure. So I would go through the, te- again, I would go through the tedious process of just sharing it on social media. And that's part of why I built up a following, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I just put that information out there. People would retweet it and it just became mainstream. And now you can't do any sort of coverage without snap information. So um, mm-hmm. I was, I, I was lucky, you know, every, I, Certainly, I, I worked as, as hard as anyone possibly could in the industry. You know, I, I just loved it. It was a hobby for me and a job, and I just loved doing it. But 
Um, I was lucky too, you know, to land with PFF at that time and have that information, have depth of target. You know, that that article that I wrote, uh, you know, introducing average depth of target was, uh, you know, I, run, I won industry awards for that. Um, uh, PFWA awards, you know, just, again, just fortunate to have the information. You know, I just was in the right place at the right time, had it at my fingertips. All I did was share it with the world and and here we are. So um, that's what I would really credit to just, you know, having the passion to grind away at it, but really just being lucky enough to have that information that uh, the PFF game charters were doing such a good job creating. So I have, I have one quick question that's completely off of um, the show sheet. Uh, your wide receiver cornerback matchup. That is one of my favorite things to look at when um, trying to find a streamer. What, what, how did you come up with that? Yeah. So again, same thing. I just, uh, at PFF, I saw that they were charting play by play and where guys were aligning. And I just had the thought, you know, we should try to create a feed in which, in which we can, uh, you know, you know, who's on who every play, you just don't have that information. All we have is like, okay, here's how many times player X was targeted. How many, how, how about his route numbers, where he's lined up, who's on him, who is shadowing. So uh, we created that feed. I processed it and, and created that, that concept. So um, again, I, I just have to give credit to our team at, at PFF when I was there and, uh, and now at ESPN, of course, they've done the same thing for me. So I can continue to do that article at, uh, at ESPN. So um, yeah, I think, I think it was just every day, just studying football and trying to think of something new and, and useful, right? It's, it's, there's so much information out there. It doesn't really help you very much. Um, but you know, when you're constantly doing it every day, it's just like, you're like, man, this would be great information to have. If I had this, you know, it could be game, a game changer. And again, fortunately I've had, I had people behind me that could help me build, uh, build that out, process that information and, and then let me kind of go to work with it. So uh, you're right. I, I mean, I love doing that one. Um, it it yeah. was. Uh, I'm. I'm glad I did it. I, I think it was a good idea. It's. Ma it's mainstream now. You see everybody kind of uh, doing an article like that across the industry, which is awesome. You know, it, it really is awesome to see how uh, how valuable that is, and and that is the article people bring up most often to say, you know, yeah. how, how much they love it. So, uh, and and that's that's always huge too, right? You like to hear that because then you realize you're doing something right and it gives you more uh, incentive to keep it, keep it rolling and expand on it. And that's another thing, expanding on it that we're still on, we're still at the you know tip of the iceberg in terms of uh, processing all of the information out there, especially with next gen, next gen stats. Now that's pretty new. So there's still more we're learning about that route type. Defensive schemes are becoming more and more uh, something I'm understanding more and more that I'm studying more and, and uh, utilizing in those columns especially last year, you know, watching uh, teams like the Eagles be really heavy in man one coverage. And, and by that, you realize that there's certain players that can take advantage of that. Uh, like a DK Metcalf, for example, you put him one-on-one -on -one with the corner every play, Jim Schwartz, he's going to pick you apart. You know, he's the, he's the guy that's going to have the big game. Um, and then, uh, you know, teams like Arizona versus Carolina, one extremely man heavy, one very zone heavy, you know, they're one team has bad corners, but they're protecting the corners with their scheme and other team is not. So, uh, that's the, you know, and, and again, very much in the early stages, there's so much more we could do with that. And I'm really excited to kind of continue to dive into that stuff. So kind of talking along, you've, you've dove into your journey and where you are, where you started versus where you are now. And I kind of want to separate the next question into a two part question along this journey. What is the big, what are the biggest changes that you've seen in yourself? And then what's the biggest change that you've seen within the industry? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, in the industry, uh, a lot more people, for sure, <laughs> that were in it, uh, uh, you know, a, a decade ago. Um, absolutely, absolutely, that's huge. But also, like I said earlier, the the um, how smart the industry has become, right? Just people are there. Ten years ago, there was such an edge to have by being into analytics and and being reasonable. Uh, and you you, could, you would see guys like I'll, I'll give you an example right now, based on moving forward in fantasy football. Rob Tunyon, after what he did last year with that ridiculous historic touchdown rate, you know, low targets, low catches, huge touchdown number. I, you know, he would have been tight end four or five on fantasy boards across the industry a decade ago because people just didn't understand right. that aspect, right? No one studied that. They didn't really look into, you know, why, where the touchdowns were coming from. We didn't have OTD or we didn't have expected touchdowns. We didn't have target location information. 
Um, but now, where, where's he going? In the tenth round right now of drafts. Like it's not people see right through it, and it's harder to get an edge for sure. It's just people get smarter and smarter and smarter. So I would say that just the fact that there's more money in the industry, more people in the industry, people can come out of college uh, with data science degrees and say, "Well, why would I? Why would I go into the fantasy industry? There's no money there, right? Like, what am I going to do? Make two hundred dollars an, an hour make, writing articles? No." You couldn't do that. Now you can. Now there's tons of uh, million million dollar sites out there uh, pumping out content and, and paying well. So that's been awesome. Just to seeing you know the game changing, not just with NFL analysts, but also with fantasy football and, and betting analysts as well. So uh, I would say that for sure. And I'm t- I'm taking these in backward, but to answer your first question, um. That's a good question. I would say I am better at not feeding the trolls on Twitter. I would say that's a that's a big one for sure. I get more use in the mute button. Um, I used to respond to pretty much everyone for better or worse. Uh, I miss those days where I could respond to every single tweet. Uh, can't do that anymore, unfortunately. Uh, just not enough time in the day. Um, I'd say that for sure. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else. That's a good question. I'm still I'm still a huge nerd. You know, I still feel like I'm. Uh, a little kid, you know, playing with stats and, and just doing, doing my thing. And that's, that's, uh, that's important, I guess. So maybe that's the answer, you know, to be yourself, just do what you want. You know, you, you hear the advice all the time of you can do what, what's the, what's the quote, right? You can be anything you want in life. You know, uh, I think that's true. You can, you can do whatever you want, you know, find, find your favorite hobby. You can do it, but you have to grind away at it too. If you love it, uh, focus on it, put the time in. And if you're, if you're sitting there working on it and you're bored and you just don't like doing it and it's it's tedious for you and you then, then that's not it for you that's not your passion but um if it's something you do enjoy and you get excited to wake up monday morning and dive into this stuff even if it's number crunching maybe that is for you and, and it may be this it may be sewing it could be a million different things it'd be whatever whatever you're passionate about uh you can make it your career if you really put the time in so um i don't think i've changed in a lot of ways you know i just think i i i know who i am i accepted that and i i love uh I love the grind. I love football. I love stats, and and that's what I do each and every day. Yeah. Will you talk to us uh, about one of your more memorable podcasts or uh, or like interviews? Uh, podcasts are oh, man. Um, hmm. Let me think about that. Yeah, you probably had some some pretty fun ones there over your time there with ESPN and Matt and Stefania and. Um, yeah, the whole over there. Yeah, um, yeah. We I probably would point to the fantasy show just because you know I always have the reputation, and it's um, you know I do it to myself. But as the the boring stack guy, you know uh, I'm an introvert. You know, I, you know, keep to myself. I just you know very serious on Twitter most of the time. But you know, I have a, I have a sense of humor. It's just when when I dive into this stuff, uh, uh, you know, I. I want to win. I, I want to put out good content. That's kind of been my shtick. You know, I've uh, changing the game with with making, you know, fantasy and football coverage more about uh, winning, you know, and, and stuff that's useful. And yeah, it's boring to say Tunyon's going to regress to the mean, but you know, this is, this is what I'm seeing. This is the advice I want to give you. So I know it's boring, but it is what it is. But the fantasy show is one of them opportunities with, with Matthew Berry, of course, on ESPN plus to have some fun, right. And then mess around. So we, we do a lot of goofy stuff uh on there and I, I really enjoy that i remember the one uh that pops into my head and actually the one producer on the show dj gallo just sent me this screenshot when he was wishing me a happy birthday a few days ago which was a good memory of um i can't even remember the context of the skit it was a couple of years ago but basically i was either squirting ketchup or mustard on daniel dopp's head based on his answer to, to the questions it was really dumb like it was just completely stupid but it, it was funny so the but i was wearing a suit that I wear on sports center and whatever I'm on, you know, and of course it got everywhere. I mean, everyone felt terrible. My suit was full of mustard and ketchup. It was a complete disaster. Um, but you know, it all came out. So in the end, it was a, a funny skit and, uh, we had a good time that, or probably when I went with Daniel to, um, we have an amusement park right near us, Lake compounds. We went there and filmed on a roller coaster. We were doing fantasy advice while on the roller coaster. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Too. <laughs> That's good. So if you weren't into fantasy sports in some crazy world that you were not, that wasn't your path, what would you be doing? Oh man, that's hard to think about. 
because again, I've just been a sports nerd my whole life. So that, that's weird to think about. But honestly, I'd probably still be in, in accounting. You know, I, I that's what I did out of college. I got a job at a small uh, business locally to where I went to college and uh, did the books there. And I didn't mind it. You know, it was fine. I, I was, you know, I'm interested in numbers and organization and figuring things out. And you do some prognostication there as well. So um, it wasn't like CPA work. It was just running a small business. And um, I, again, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't sports. So at the end of the day, uh, I, I was always kind of, I think, destined to be in the sports industry. But uh, to answer your question, that's probably where I'd be. So I have two, port, uh, two kind of questions here for the next part. One, do you guys ever get to, because you and Stefania have birthdays like back to back. Do you guys get like this big old shindig got ESPN where everyone throws on these birthday hats and just like let loose for one day? Because that's pretty awesome to have those two birthdays back to back. By yeah, the way, happy birthday. Yeah, I, 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 I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I, uh, we have not yet, but I think we need to. And maybe I should host because my neighbor uh, has the same birthday as me and uh, his wife was born um, like four days before me and, you know, in, in 1985 too. So we can, we, it's like a, it's a popular mid, mid-May is a popular birthday month for whatever reason in this area. So we're going to have to, gonna have to have a big bash or something, I think. But um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Stefani's great. We just have an, an awesome team, you know, just an awesome team at ESPN with, you know, Field, one of the nicest people you ever meet. Just so, I, I talk about a guy who grinds away, man. That guy knows the, the league in and out. Obviously, Matthew is, uh, uh, you know, a really special guy in a lot of ways can can really do it all. He's been a huge help for me over the years. And Daniel, one of my best friends at, at ESPN. So we just, you know, Kyle Sapia can go on and on. I mentioned DJ can go on and on the list of just great people at, at ESPN. That's been a huge part of why uh, I love it here. So it's, uh, it's a great group. So you kind of mentioned in the second part here, you kind of mentioned that your love for NASCAR and racing and yeah. stuff like that. Maybe if you weren't into those fantasy sports and maybe if you didn't decide you didn't want to go into that chartered accounting. Maybe you get into esports. Maybe a little Mario Kart. Could, could you see yourself being like an esport Mario Kart guy? And if so, who would be your who's your go to in Mario Kart? Well, this is I love this. I, there's a couple things I can give you on, on this uh, in this department, the esports side, and also Mario Kart. So um, I've been playing Mario Kart since I was a kid for sure. Su- Super Mario Kart is the best one. There's no no question about this. That's the one that requires I think the most driving talent. So that's always been important to me. Uh, really t- a tough game, but uh, that's the one I might I always fall back on. But I we have the Nintendo Switch. I have two little girls. We love playing Mario Kart, whether it's battle mode or the races. So my go-to is always Toad. Toad Toad is the <laughs> best. Uh, you know, he doesn't have the top speed, but he can. You know, you can get through the turns pretty easy, right? He's he's light in his feet. You can he moves around pretty good. So I've, I've always defaulted back to Toad for sure. Um, so interested on your thoughts on that in a second. But the other part, the esports. I'll get into that quick. Uh, iRacing is is kind of right down. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with iRacing, but that's uh, you know basically a racing simulator. And if if I were to move these jerseys, I have one right behind this uh, cockpit, the wheel, and and I uh, use VR headset for racing. Um, and I've been in that for a few years, and I've I've raced against NASCAR drivers. They all use it to practice now, especially with with minimal practice with uh, you know with um, COVID and all that. So. Um, you know, I'm in a league right now. We actually race tonight. Uh, and it's, uh, there's a couple of NASCAR drivers in that Kyle Busch is in it. Um, Anthony Alfredo, TJ majors is a spotter. A lot of people involved in NASCAR. Um, so we, we have a league race tonight, but, um, you know, it's, that's, you know, th- that's something I do right now as a hobby. Right. And there's, uh, it's not something that's going to pay my bills cause I'm not nearly good enough. You know, it, when, I, when I look, look at if I'm racing against people on my level, I'll be competitive, win the occasional race. When I race against these guys, like NASCAR <laughs> drivers, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You have no idea how good these guys are at handling these cars. And this isn't real life, obviously, but it's as close as you can get. These are, are it's not a video game. This is a simulator and it's uh, it's really, really tough. So, um, you know, it's it's cool. fun. I enjoy it as, a, as someone who grew up a race fan, raced go-karts as a kid. My dad raced on dirt, was a track champion in Pennsylvania. So, that's again, racing just always been something that's been uh, a part of my life. What makes those guys so uh, good? Like, what is it about them? Like when you're racing them that you, that jumps out to you and you're like, this is, this is what separates them. I think the underrated aspect is consistency. You know, mm-hmm. it's people always joke. It's just driving in circles and anyone can do it. You don't realize how hard it is to go at that speed and not miss a mark. 
for that. Mm -hmm. They have that level right. of concentration. And you can see that even if you watch the iRacing events, they've been doing them on Wednesday night, where you just see the driver sitting there just holding the wheel. And it looks like they're almost asleep with their eyes open, just just mm. just moving the wheel at the perfect degree of, of turn. I mean, it's I don't know how they do it. I can't do it. I can't keep my focus for that long. And tonight we're doing the Indy 500. And I'm like, how am I going to get through this and not drill the wall a hundred times? Because you just can't miss. You, you, it's it's unbelievable how complicated it is and how the car is different in traffic versus being in clean air and the, just mm. the, the high rates of speed. Because it's yeah, anyone can you anyone can sit in one of them cars and drive it around the track, but it's doing it at that high rate of speed consistently, lap and lap again, and not crashing and and you know uh, mm. hurting yourself. So. Um, it's it's all that. I mean, it's just that that focus and ability to be able to to handle something going that fast and, and sliding around the track. And it's 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 unbelievable. Yeah, but can they do it with 12 kids in the car? There is the minivan. No, if anyone can, if anyone can, I would say it's probably those guys because it's, uh, it's a I would, I would consider it straight to golf. I mean, can you hit a golf ball with uh, 15,000 people standing around you? Mm. <laughs> Like I would yesterday. hit. I would hit all of them with the ball. There, that's what I would do. No question. I enjoy. I enjoy golfing, but I am not a good golfer. I just. Uh, I, I've played a lot too. I was even on the golf team in in high school, but I was never in the top six. Right. I. I just stunk. You know. It's just. Yeah. It is what it is. My brother's a really good golfer. I've never been able to put it all together. Hmm. It's not an easy game. Yeah, I guess you're uh, much better than me, considering. Bob, that you have a bunch of golf clubs hanging on your wall behind you. Uh, I was a golf pro in my former life, yeah. Oh, no way. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of those golf clubs are from when Bob first started oh, in 1920. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 1920, 1918, whatever. Love it. Go ahead. So, um, side note, I, I completely agree with you on uh, Mario Kart. I 100% mm. attest my ability to drive at 15 with no problem to my skills in Mario Kart. So yeah, <laughs> I'll co-sign that. Um, but diving back into uh, diving back into the industry, um, you've talked about the ESPN team and how great they are and the relationships with them. Um, tell us about one other relationship that um, has really been special to you um, along the way. Yeah, it's a great question because there's so many. Uh, I can't tell you how quickly my career was able to progress by just going to the FSTA conventions and, mm -hmm. you know, going out to Las Vegas and meeting and hanging out with people like Brad Evans and Brandon Funston, as for an example. They were two people who I was starstruck to meet because growing up, you know, in, in college and out of college, what I used to do is I would put on that, yeah, starting at noon, they did a, a I don't know if any of you guys ever watched this, but if you went on the Yahoo game, uh, those two guys were on there doing their show for an hour, for for one hour, twelve to one. And I used to watch Funston and and their their host and Brad Evans. So, um, but you know they're great guys. Got to meet them really quickly. Went on to work with them quite a bit. Um, just over a drink, me and Funston worked out a deal, and we started. I started doing their projections at Yahoo for years before I, I had to stop. Obviously, when I went to ESPN, but I worked out a lot of deals like that. So, um, there's a lot of people, but definitely the person I would have to go to, and I can mention a lot of names, but. Jeff Ratcliffe, many of you know him, uh, was at PFF for a long time. He, right before I went to PFF, he emailed me. I think he he likes to tell his story. I think it was a Beanie Wells, a pro Beanie Wells article or something. That was like his example article. Uh, he sent me. I'm not sure why I gave him a job. Beanie Wells. So so he was one of my first writers, of course, at PFF. And I'll tell you what, I had a lot of people in and out, probably as many people came in, wrote an article and left that, that ended up on the staff by the time I left. I mean, it was just a, a lot of rotation, but it's the core got smaller of the people that were closest to the top. And we built that kind of senior staff. And Jeff was the guy that worked his way up from uh, a guy that was just a professor at a bunch of colleges in the Philadelphia area to my right-hand man. We met all the time. It was fortunate we lived near each other. And he only built that into a powerhouse. So obviously <clears throat> when I went to ESPN, he was a natural successor for me, did a great job building it up. Now he's one of the best radio hosts in the entire industry on Sirius XM. He obviously left PFF, but he's at, he's with Brad Evans, a perfect fit there over at uh, FTN. So uh, Jeff has been uh, a special relationship for sure. We kind of grew up, uh, you know, having kids about the same time, came into the industry the same way, built up the same way, got to TV about the same time. 
but he's uh, he's awesome and and certainly one of the the best in the business. And yeah. I taught him everything he knows. Don't forget that. <laughs> uh, we got to ask him about that. No. Um, can you give us uh, for those of us trying to make it as an in industry? Can you please give like some uh, advice? Yes. Uh, yeah. So I think I, I think I laid out some of that. I would say, uh, again, you'll know pretty quick if it's for you, you know, uh, the grind, you know, the grind, it, you, the passion has to be there. If you're someone who is like, or you write a few articles and then you're kind of bored with it and, you know, maybe once in a while I'll get back into it, that it's not for you. Right. You, and I, again, I, I saw that. So as someone who built a staff at PFF, you could see right through it. I get, you would not believe how many emails I got from people where they were these long emails with an example article. And I am a huge fantasy football fan. I'm in so many leagues and I won my league last year and I just want to be in this industry and, and you need a writer and it goes on and on and on. And they write one or two and then they're just like, eh, you know, I, um, I didn't get to it or they disappear, you know, that happened way more times than the amount of people that stuck around. It's not even close. If people get really excited for it and then they just don't want to stick with it. It's just too much work, you know, to, to sit down for a couple hours and, and write an article and do the research necessary. So yeah, the passion is number one. I mean, if you don't have the passion, just forget about it. You're not going to just, you know, uh, write occasionally and, and end up getting paid full time in the industry. So forget about it. So you have to have that. You have to, you have to be prepared to grind. And, and along that way, you have to do something different. You know, for a long time, this industry was very cookie cutter. Everything was the same. And that was a part of why I had some success. And again, I was lucky because I had the information at my fingertips to use and, and, and be, be different. You know, that was, that was super important, but you have to, you have to offer something where, like you said, people think projections and, and analysis and fantasy, they think of me, you know, I appreciate that, that comment for sure, if that's the case. Um, but you have to be that guy too, you know, whether it could be a million different things. It could be, you know, I, when I think of wide receiver analysis, I think of Matt Harmon, or if I think of uh, game charting, I think of PFF, or, you know, if I think of uh, someone that's great on the radio, I want to be like, I think of uh, Matthew Barry or Field Eats or Jeff Manns or Jeff Ratcliffe. You know, you, you have to be one of them guys that just pops into your head as somebody that uh, does something unique and, and you're a go-to, a, a dynasty expert. Uh, you know, it can be a million different things. Uh, Debbie, th pick a pick an area you want to specialize if you want or a stat or something that you study. There's a guy that I follow on Twitter that just does offensive line. You know, it's niche, but he's the guy. He's the O-line expert, you know. Don't leave out graphics. There you go. So there's, yeah, yeah, you could do there. You could find a million different ways to be, uh, you know, in the industry and, and do your thing, but you have to work hard. You have to be passionate about it and be around all the time. Uh, know the game, know it inside out. Don't embarrass yourself by, by just forgetting players exist, like, you know, and, and just, yeah, I've seen that a million times too, just being, you know, we all mess up once in a while we do, but just know, know it, know what you're talking about for sure. And the last thing I'll say, and uh, you know, I could tell, I don't really have to, say this to you guys in an open forum because obviously you seem you seem like great people but just don't be that person who's on twitter like so you know sub you know uh what do you call it um sub tweeting me or what, what do you call it i'm drawing a blank quote quote tweeting quote tweeting yeah tough word mm. um and then being like look at this idiot you know he thinks this person is going to be good this year and they're trash you know like you can't do that you can't just go around trying to build your name by attacking others i've seen people try to do it and they disappear they're just not around you know it's just uh and you're never going to work your way up you know if look if you say something horrific to me or really rude like that i just mute you on twitter and then if your name comes up and you send me a note or an email years later like, hey, I'd love to work for ESPN or, you know, can, can we work together on this or that or come on my show? And I notice that you're muted, you know, and I, and I find out why. Like you do a Twitter search and, and notice uh, maybe you're not, not going to happen. Right. And I know, you know, I'll right. he'll, he'll say this, too. So I can say it here. Matthew Barry's the king of the industry, the best in the business. It's the same way. You know, we remember that stuff so for whatever reason, when people say stuff like that, you tend to remember the handle or remember the name, especially, especially when it's someone that's in the industry or blogging or, you know, you, you catch it, you know, if it says like at dynasty analyst or com or something in their profile, and then you see something really rude like that, it just, for some reason, it sticks in your head. So that, that would be a big piece of advice is 
work together, not against, you know, we're a really, really close knit uh, industry and, and that's the best way to work it up. Like I said, when I, when I worked my way up, it was working with people from all different sites. You know, I was at PFF, I worked with Yahoo, I worked with CBS and Athlon and Sporting News and, and everywhere, RT Sports. I mean, it goes on and on. I, it's just building friendships. I would go out for drinks with one website, go to dinner with another website, go, you know, go hang out with an, it, it's just every, everyone gets along really well and, and you work together to, uh, to work your way up in the industry. Great answer. Pat? Kelvin, you want to take us home here? Oh, sure. Yeah. So you, as you mentioned, like that's, that's, a, that's great advice. It's uh, not something that our panel here uh, struggles with. Major is awesome on Twitter. He's also awesome on Clubhouse. Make sure you're following him. Uh, Bob does a great job at graphics, and make sure you're following him, helping John Bosch and a lot of other people in the industry put together some great charity leagues. So make sure you're following everything that Bob's doing. Tara is growing exponentially on Twitter. It's great to see. She still is, has like a fraction of the amount of followers that she should have. Uh, also great on Clubhouse. Matt's killing it here with the Dynasty Vipers. Mike, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'd love the opportunity to just support it, anything that you're doing or working on this offseason. Like, what, what do you think that would be that um, us or anybody watching this could do to follow along and just support what, what, what you're doing? Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, it's funny. I feel like Friday, which, uh, you know, uh, coincidentally was my birthday, was kind of the first time where I was like a sense of relief since the end of last season, right? Like, mm -hmm. I have a little bit of a break here just finished off some content that's in the, you know, going through editing right now. It'll be up on the site. So keep an eye out uh, at ESPN plus for uh, a couple of interesting articles, certainly with some, some fantasy spin to them. They're NFL articles that have some, uh, some, some fantasy feeling to them as well. So those are coming up in the next two weeks and my content will be at ESPN plus throughout the off season. I already, like I said, I've been working since last season. I have the capsules up, lots of content on the site. Our rankings are there. You can see projections for the entire league, whether it's win totals or uh, projected leaderboards, teams. If you want, you want punter, you want punter projections, I got punter projections. We got them. We got, they're all there. They're over there at uh, ESPN.com. We have cheat sheets up. Um, you know, I, I grinded through all that already. So I'm going to take a little bit of a break here, you know, kind of hang out outside a little bit the next couple of weeks, do a little eye racing. But, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a hobby and a job for me. So I'll be right back at the computer uh, whenever there's news or if I want to do a little research or something, it's, it's something fun for me to do. But again, follow along at Mike Clay NFL on Twitter and of course at uh, ESPN.com. And with that, that kind of wraps up today's show. Uh, Mike, thanks for uh, sticking around with us. And uh, I think we went a little bit over, but uh, not too, too bad here. So appreciate that's, that's that again. My fault. That's my fault. I ramble and, and talk a lot. So I, no problem, guys. I appreciate you having me on. That was a lot of fun. And with that, I leave you with this. As good of a driver as Toe it is, he is just a shell of a driver compared to Cooper Troopa. And I appreciate that, the dad joke. I do. I appreciate the dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, that is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, episode 70. And uh, we're gone. <laughs>